Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas, this morning for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests join us via the Goodyear hotline. The Giants are an exceptionally fascinating situation, and it's developing going into the offseason. We heard from Adam Schefter over the weekend that they are expected to keep Joe Judge and Daniel Jones into the future. So with all of that in mind, we welcome in Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, good to have you with us, and let's start right there with the Giants. And where you look at this situation of keeping a GM but or excuse me, of moving on from a GM with Dave Gettleman, but keeping a head coach. How does that dynamic play out? Is that a dangerous thing to do? Uh, I don't think so. Great to be with you guys. And look, we don't know what's going to happen. I know it's been reported that one may be there, one may not be there. But I think we got to be respectful because they're everyone's currently employed. With that said, if there was a hypothetical situation where there was a GM opening and not a head coach opening. I candidly look at the Giants situation as one of those places where it could be a very quick turnaround. I think they have a lot of good young skill players from Kadarius Toney to Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram. Obviously, they got to get the quarterback situation figured out. But if you believe in yourself as a GM candidate and as a leader, you have somebody in Joe Judge that obviously the record isn't good, but he does now have two years of experience. And I, I just always felt like my role in the play in a front office was really to be the point guard of information, which is sit between ownership and the head coach, put all the information on the table, and then let's make the best decision for us. And sometimes that could be watching more tape. It could be looking at strategy again. It could be looking at the context of free agency versus the draft. So I don't think it would uh, in any way inhibit a, a very qualified candidate from going there. Yeah, Mike T. I, and I think that when I look at this Giants football team, I do believe they have pieces on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. But the one common denominator uh, when, when it surrounds the Giants, well, I'll say two common den- denominators, has been the offensive line over the years and the quarterback position. Can the quarterback position put them in a position to win and, and get back on, on the winning terms of things within that organization? And so far, Daniel Jones hasn't been that guy. Um, and and – and, I think Gettleman, and I remember doing first tape with Max, and, and Max said uh, that he wished that they would have drafted Daniel Jones's uh, replacement, and they had an opportunity to. They had an opportunity to when they decided to go with the offensive lineman, the same draft that Justin Herbert got drafted in. But nonetheless, that's over with. We're here now. You're in this spot that you're in for a reason. Can do you think the Giants can crawl out of this hole that they're in? Yeah. Harry, the Giants' approach to quarterback should be what your approach is to candles. I would be scouring. I'd be trying to get as many of them as possible. I'd be high and low. I'd be at Yankee Candle. Uh, what was that other one that, Jesus Bath Body Works? You know, I'd be yes, on my bike. And, and in all seriousness, guys, I would be scouring. And I think the big mistake the Carolina Panthers made were, hey, they were in scour mode, right? They moved on from Cam Newton, brought in Teddy Bridgewater. That didn't work. Trade for Sam Darnold. No problem. But they exercise the option in Sam Darnold. Now they don't have optionality. They have over $18 million on their cap tied up next year. So I'm bringing Daniel Jones back on a one-year deal. Now, look, if he plays great, guys, we have the franchise tag in our back pocket. However, I don't care if it's 
let, let's just go right through. Jameis Winston, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe it's Russell Wilson if things work out great. Maybe it's Kenny Pickett in the first round. Maybe it's a combination of all the above. All I'm saying is I am scouring, scouring, scouring to bring in competition, and I'm looking Daniel Jones right between the eyes and say, hey, best player plays. You may be here for the next 10 years. You may be here for the next 10 minutes. I don't know. But if you're tough, smart, durable, and don't turn the ball over, you have a reasonable chance to play. If not, here's your competition. Let's go. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joining us. It's Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas, in for Keyshawn J. Will and Max. All right, so Mike, if you're a GM candidate who's going to interview for the Giants job, how are you approaching this? I mean, are you thinking about uh, the dynamic with the head coach and how that's going to work and the power structure and 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 all of that? Tell, tell me about some of the things that you're thinking about going into that kind of interview. Yeah, Chris, that's a great question. I, I get asked that quite a bit this time of year. When I was with the New York Jets for seven years, um, and look, we, we you know we had a good run and worked with a lot of great people. I had final say on everything: who to hire, fire, roster, the whole nine yards. Damn, Mike T, look at you just flexing your muscles on KJM this morning. Wait, we, I, wait, wait, we no, know the role you were you wait, was in, Mike Harry. That was that was before <laughs> the semicolon. Let me finish the sentence now. <laughs> Boy, that's like a false start on your part. That's like, you know, I'm taking your candle away for five minutes now. Now, with that said, I never went against Rex Ryan or Eric Mangini because the few times we disagreed, we had, we, one of the signs we had in our draft room, in God we trust, for everybody else we need data. And my approach was, like, if we're going to disagree, let's just get in a room and talk it out, and then we'll make the best decision. And you could ask either one of those guys, to, even till today, like, we had a great run. And it never came up because I never sat there and said, hey, well, it's in my contract. I have a final say. Like, that's not how it works. And I know, like, Chris, you bring it up. It it always comes up this time of year. I get it. But I think effective leadership is about being a good listener Mm -hmm. and using information to drive that decision. So if I'm working with Joe Judge, if you're the GM candidate, I think what's more important is to make sure that you have an alignment of, of a philosophy and a process to get to the right decision much more than who has final say. Because if, if once you go down that road of, well, he has final say, more times than not, guys, like it splinters buildings. And look, Urban Meyer probably didn't work out for a million reasons. It was clear that he had final say. And just, I wasn't there, so this is a little bit of an educated guess, but I don't think he was necessarily a great listener. Like, Signing Tim Tebow, like to me, was like sort of like indicative of a guy that was closed minded. You wouldn't bring Tim Tebow in as a coaching intern, great. You know, have him as an advisor, great. But to bring him back 14 years later on a position change, like there's no way that could happen. And clearly, they didn't have checks and balances. So while I understand why you do have checks and balances, to me, the head coach of GM, it's much more about a relationship where you can have like candid discourse and then always fall back on a great process to get the best answer possible. And I love the way you put that, Mike T, because not only does that work in the game of football or sports, that works in everyday life and business as well. When you're able to have leadership who knows how to listen, listens and understands where you're coming from on your end, and at the end of the day, they just want the best, they want to come to it the best, to get the best product. I think it's, it's it's better for the company. It's better for the organization. If you're talking about football, so I think that is very important. So I'm glad you brought that up. No, Harry, and and look, I appreciate and and look to be candid, I made a lot of mistakes, and it's it's hard to do because as you guys know, you have 90 players on your roster. So just mm-hmm. think about that. You're sitting there with a partner, right? It's like a marriage, right? 
Yep. 90 players. you got to figure out how to pay them all appropriately. Who are you going to draft? Who are you going to cut? Who's the first to go? You know, we could get this guy to trade. We don't want to give up that much. And then you're also ownership, right? You have to manage up as well. They're going to have their two cents in, and how you manage that dynamic is really important. So the, the, when you look at, like, the Pittsburghs of the world, New England, the New Orleans, the teams that have had sustainability, I bet you they have a lot more disagreements than anyone will ever know. But as I heard Mike Tomlin once say at a press conference, you know, like when he's upset about something, that's between him and his basement. And I think there's like a lot of wisdom in that, which is once him and Kevin Colbert and the Rooney family make a decision, you know, they walk out of that room shoulder to shoulder. And this is what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do. Now, they may disagree. Is it Mason Rudolph? Is it Dwayne Haskins? Are we bringing Ben back? How much are we going to pay him? That you want to have disagreement. You want to be able to make the best decision for your organization. But at the end of the day, there's no leaks coming out of that building. It's not a Colbert thing or a Tomlin thing. And I think that's why that's one of the many reasons they've had such success. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us. All right. We're going to get into a couple of other possible coaching changes with real or not real. So we're going to play this game with Mike and go through the teams and decide real or not real if they are going to make a coaching change. All right, Mike, you ready? Let's go. All right. First team up, Carolina Panthers. Real or not real? Not real. I think uh, you're too invested in Matt Rule. Hasn't gone well, but I think it, two years is just too soon. I would have to agree with Mike T in that in that position. Um, I think they give him another year, though. If things go downhill <clears throat> next, excuse me, next year, Mike T, I think they they finally have to pull the plug. But I don't understand. They they gave him so many years on this deal, and that money's guaranteed, right? Yeah, seven that years, sixty-three yeah, million. Who gets a seven-year contract that, that's crazy. as an NFL coach these days? Harry, how many candles could Matt rule by? <laughs> what ten million? <laughs> well, probably way more than ten million. Probably what? What I'll say a billion, a billion candles. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna smell like money. I guarantee you that. Um, meanwhile, up in Minnesota, we heard an interesting soundbite from the star receiver of the Vikings after the <laughs> loss the other day. Uh, and this from Justin Jefferson may speak volumes. I think we should, you know, be more aggressive uh, when we get when we get down there, as soon as we get down there. Uh, but, you know, I'm not the one calling the plays. Um, I'm just here to do my job and do what was told to me. Uh, but, you know, we, we can't get down in the red zone that many times and come out with three points. Justin Jefferson, mm. the Minnesota Vikings as a team making a coaching change, real or not real? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Mike Zimmer's done a great job. I just kind of feel like when you look at what's going on in that division, maybe it's you know been a great run and it's time to move on. You know, Kirk Cousins has had a good year. You know, there's always going to be the question is is his contract worth the value for what he's producing? But that one to me, a gut feeling says I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move there. Mike T, listening to that, I don't think I think that says I'm gonna get everybody in here as is fired by Justin Jefferson. But to his point, he's 100% right. Watching that football game, I cringed at how they the lack of targets when they got to the red zone, and I didn't like the play selection in the red zone either. Because if they were decent um, in that football game offensively, they would have beat the Rams. So I think this is a real thing. I, I think. Even though I love Zim, I love what his defense presents, I think it's, it's about time in Minnesota as well, too. 
Mike, you know, just as an aside there on Zimmer, the difference between making a change when you have somebody that just hasn't had the success or somebody that, as you said, you know, maybe the time has just kind of run out. How do you read that if you're a GM with that kind of situation? Well, it's like any decision, Chris. You say to yourself, okay, if we move on, what are the options? And who are the three to five names, realistically, we could go get? And it's not as easy of an exercise as you think because somebody was doing that a couple years ago and say, hey, look at Urban Meyer's success or Matt Rule was a great coach at Temple and Baylor. Um, It's a really hard thing to hire a successful head coach and that's always going to be a, a meaningful part of the discussion. All right, Mike. Real or not real, the Chicago Bears as a team potentially making a coaching change. Uh, yeah, look, I think this that one seems pretty obvious. That, that that seems like not if but when. So, you know, Matt Nagy's had a, probably a better run than he's given credit for, but just didn't work out with the quarterback situation, and I'd be surprised if he's there by the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with Mike T. I think this is real. The most uh, important position on the football field is the quarterback position, and he needs to grow. Justin Fields, that's because they took him in the first round. So I think they're going to move on from Matt Nagy and see who else they can bring in there. Mike, when you're tempted to bring in a coach that's offensively oriented or defensively oriented, how does that play into the decision-making process? Uh, You want to get a leader. You know, I think a little bit of that is overplayed. You know, Bill Belichick is a leader. John Harbaugh is a leader. Mike Tomlin is a leader. Uh, and, you know, when you look at what the Chargers did with Brandon Staley, even though they had the great young Justin Herbert, they brought in a defensive guy. So I think it's more important about getting somebody that could come in, lead your franchise, and scale leadership. All right, the New York Giants, real or not real, is a team making a coaching change? Yeah, I, I hope not. You know, they had Pat Shermer for two years and moved on. They had um, Ben McAdoo for two years and moved on. I don't think... They would be well-served to have their fourth head coach in six years. So I know it hasn't been perfect, but I like Joe Judge. I like the way he leads the team. Um, if I was them, I would give him another year. I think they're going to give him another year. Um, if things uh, fare out well, I think they're going to be okay. But if they don't, I think next year they would move on. Houston Texans, Mike, real or not real coaching change? Um you know, the expectations there were so low. I think David Culley probably gets another year. And to their credit, they had a spirited win the other day against the Chargers. So I think he'll get another year. Yeah, I don't think this is real. I love David Culley. The first guy to um, to to do my workout, man, when I was coming out when he was with the Eagles, I remember I was tired as hell. But David Culley, I love his spirit. I love the way he coaches. Uh, a guy, I, I, I hate that it took this long for him to get a head coaching job, but I don't think he was uh, set up for success in Houston, especially in year one. So I, I, I don't think this is a thing. Yeah, he walked into an absolutely rough situation. Oh, Winning four games, listen, that's that's kind of impressive for what they were expected to do, as Mike alluded to. All right, Mike, finally, last team, the Seattle Seahawks, real or not real in changing the coach? Yeah, I think this is very similar to Minnesota. Great run, great coach, but it's time. Um, this is a diminished team, and they gave up two first-round picks for Jabal Adams. They don't have a lot of draft capital. This is a team that has a lot of holes, and uh, I think Pete Carroll, it's probably time for him to move off into the uh, sunset. Yeah, I agree with Mike T. I think this is real. Um, you see the holes that Russell Wilson covered up when he got injured this year, right? Um, I, I I love Pete Carroll. I love his energy. I think it's just time, right? It, all great things got to come to an end, and I think it's just time for Seattle to go in another direction. 
Real or not real, brought to you by Trico. Trico has been the future of wipers since 1917. Keeping you a step ahead of Mother Nature, visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas, in for Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We're joined by Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, I want to delve into this thing with Pete Carroll a, a little bit more. He has always been a high-energy guy. He's had real good success. Is he somebody, you know, you kind of said right off into the sunset, do you think that Pete Carroll's coaching career might be closing down, or could he be looking somewhere else? Would Should somebody else be looking at Pete Carroll? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think if you chop Pete Carroll in half, what would ooze out of him was a world-class competitor. I remember when uh, we got to the Jets way back in the 90s, like some of the things that he like he had in the facility, like were basketball hoops. Um, he's always about competition. He's a high energy guy. You know, Harry was talking about David Coley, very similar. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went someplace else, or maybe took over a college program for a couple of years, like the way we've seen a Butch Davis or a Mac Brown go back. So um, he is a competitive guy. So it'd be interesting to see what he would do. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he'll stop coaching because you know. Man, sometimes that coaching, it's just like when you you're, you're, you become a grandfather, right? Those grandkids allow you to have that energy and keep you going and keep you thrusting and moving forward like in this thing called life, right? I think for Pete Carroll and guys who are on the older spectrum of things, you see that with them. The game of football, being around the guys, having that camaraderie, having the coaching staff and all, that whole thing, I think that keeps them going and, 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 and it allows them to just enjoy life. Well, it absolutely feels like the time that the Seahawks need to hit the reset button all the way around, and that also would be with the quarterback. So, Mike, Russell Wilson, potential destinations here. One of them that's been brought up has been the Giants. They're in such a messy salary cap situation. How difficult would it be if they realistically wanted to try to bring him in considering their cap is exceptionally tight moving forward? Oh, that's easy. You you don't get off the phone. The day that Russell Wilson walks into that building, guys, it changes everything. It energizes the groundskeeper, the equipment guy, it, it, let alone the fan base. And the other thing it does, it creates an aura of association. When we traded for Brett Favre at the Jets, every player wanted to come there. We saw with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, players want to walk there. And when you went in New York, it, there's nothing like it. Ask Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin and Phil Sims and Bill Parcells. So to me... You make it work. I don't care who you have to cut. I don't care if you have to give up both first-round picks and James Bradbury or some other good young player. Um, you figure out the salary cap in that case, Chris, and it changes literally overnight your entire franchise. Yeah, 100%. I think Russell Wilson, a quarterback, um, and I understand that he ha- he's had some hard times this year, and I think those were basically due to him having that injury on his, on his finger and that, and, that, and that thing coming out of his finger. But you look at Russell Wilson, you look at his career, right? He has been, if not the, one of the most consistent quarterbacks since he came into the National Football League. Uh, and I think that's something to be said because that's a position that's not easy to play. It, it, it's, you're in the spotlight just about all the time, everything that you do. And I think he's been great off the field as well as on the field. Mike, where else are you looking at as realistic destinations here for Russell Wilson next year? Well, I think you know the obvious one to me is New Orleans. Um you know, we, we see them when healthy, not obviously they're dealing with a very significant COVID situation, but um, 
they have a championship defense. You get Michael Thomas back with Alvin Kamara. You got Sean Payton. Like to me, if you're a great quarterback like a Russell Wilson, you know, as Harry was just talking about some of his, you know, what he's achieved. I think he goes there, and he what what? How much fun would that be from a football standpoint to watch the NFC South next year Man, and, wa- and, wa- and watch Russell Wilson and Tom Brady compete? <laughs> That'd be crazy, man. <laughs> but but the, the, it's crazy because the NFC South will go from Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees to now you have Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yep. <laughs> That is absolutely crazy. The other place that is a fascinating quarterback situation, Mike, is in Cleveland. Mike Tannenbaum joining us, ESPN NFL front office insider with Baker Mayfield. So, you know, when you are moving into this kind of situation, Mike, with Baker Mayfield right now, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit more. But just give me a quick thought on Mayfield the other night and what the future may hold. So if you're the head coach GM and you're going to the stadium on a consequential game in late December in Lambeau Field, it's really, you know, we talked earlier about decision-making and information. It's really a great opportunity because you want to, this is like why you you get a, a great quarterback is, can he go into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers? And going back to Minnesota for a second, you know, we saw Kirk Cousins a couple weeks ago beat Aaron Rodgers. Baker Mayfield's simply not good enough. And they can't pay him $35 million. I'm not sure if he's worth $25 million, but clearly he was in a different class than what Aaron Rodgers was. And because of that, Chris, you simply can't pay him top top of the market money. So what does that now look like moving forward? That's interesting because the Browns may have limited options as to what they can do. We will dive into all of that. His future in Cleveland and what possible solutions there are for the Browns also, that is coming up in just moments. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. What was the kid's nickname And Remember the Titans was Sunshine? Yeah. <laughs> the quarterback? Mm-hmm. I don't know if Baker Mayfield reminds me of Sunshine. I don't know if it's there. They're to remember the Titans team. 
Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas, in for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Mike Tannenbaum hanging with us, our ESPN NFL front office insider. And, Mike, look, it is a fascinating situation, and I'm 100% with you. You cannot pay him to be the guy long-term. And this is problematic because it is such a dicey situation for the Browns moving forward. First of all, before you're ready to move on from him completely, would you consider a shorter deal, a two-year deal, maybe at lesser money that's somewhat front-loaded if Mayfield would? Possibly, but again, um, he's simply not good enough. Um, (laughs) I mean, we, we could talk about it eight different ways to Sunday about what he's worth and all that, but... Joe Burrow just put up 525 yards. Now, granted, the Ravens are decimated, but that's still 525 yards. And when you go to bed every night, if you're running the Cleveland Browns, you have to figure out how to win your division. And, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson is young, and he's won the MVP despite where he went to college. So my point is, like, the bar is really, really high in the AFC North, and that's why, if I'm them, I'm trying to move on from Baker Mayfield. Mike T, I love your honesty because a lot of people don't uh, they no, we're piling on Baker. No, we're telling the truth about Baker. That's what we're doing. We're telling the, the, the God honest truth about Baker. And Mike T, those interceptions against the Green Bay Packers on Christmas really bothered my spirit. Let me tell you why they bothered my spirit, right? The first one, you have a safety in the middle of the field. And Mike T, you know football very well. When do you throw a post route in the middle of the field? With the with the safety in the middle of the field, probably, probably ne- never. Never. Right? I mean, that's the first read for a quarterback: middle yeah. field, open or closed. Not only that, the second interception, Jarvis Landry is wide open. Granted, it's third and long, but you just want to complete that football so you can get a field goal. He overshoots it, throws it over his head. It's interception. The third one, I don't know what he was thinking Jarvis Landry was going to do, but Jarvis Landry's literally pointing to throw it down the field, pointing up. We all know if Randy Moss points up, that don't mean throw me a damn back show to fate. Right, Mike T? That means throw the ball down the football field. Jarvis Landry points, throw it down the football field. Baker Mayfield tries to back shoulder him and throws another interception. The worst part about all of that is that the Green Bay Packers got 21 points off of those three turnovers, but the Browns still had an opportunity to win the game, and Baker turned it over again. Granted, I thought it was pass interference, but it's just the narrative that Baker turned the ball over again, going down to try to win the football game. Yeah, and Harry, to your point, you know, and I think Kevin Stefanski has done a great job, but clearly their best player on offense, maybe their team outside of Miles Garrett, is Nick Chubb. Chubb yep. And to me, like, run the offense through him. And, and in fairness, you know, if you want to give Baker the benefit of the doubt, you could say, hey, he showed up on game day, he's been through COVID. And I do think sometimes, candidly, guys, I think we in the media sometimes look at this COVID thing as sort of like a binary, like, oh, he's either eligible or not. And, you know, for some guys, when you talk to people around the league, you know, it impacts some players more than others. Maybe he wasn't feeling great. So but all my point is he's not good enough. He's not tall enough. He's not fast enough. He came out. He ran a four eight five. He was a guy that could outrun college offensive line, uh, defense lineman. He can't do that at the pros. He's going to get continue to get hit because he's going to get run down. And because of his physical limitations, despite having a good arm, I just don't see a pathway for him to have a consistent high-level career as a starter in the NFL. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum with us. So where do they turn? What are the good options 
for the Cleveland Browns who are in a mode of winning in the short term. Yeah, for me, if I'm Cleveland, it's two, two people and two people own. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. And the way I'm trying to recruit them is to say, hey, look, you know, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. They had a good defense in the rest of history. We, we Defensively, we have Miles Gabbert, Jermaine Don Clowney, Denzel Ward. They have a lot of really good pieces on defense. And if you come here, again, they will create an aura of association. Players want to play with great quarterbacks. And I think if I'm them, I'm all in, and I'm trying to get one of those two guys. What do you think about Kirk Cousins? Because he's already been with Stefanski, and I know Kirk Cousins hasn't been as great. But I will say this. Kirk Cousins is a hell of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Harry, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because of that connection with Stefanski. Um, Again, one thing I – I'd rather have Baker Mayfield at twenty million than Kirk Cousins at forty million. So, you know, Kirk Cousins is always going to be a challenge on the economics, and um, I'm not so sure if Minnesota would let him walk out the door either. You know, Mike, uh, what about Derek Carr in this whole situation? Because he's a guy that has one year left on his deal again, uh, manageable at nineteen point eight, and who knows if the Raiders are going to want to move on and start to rebuild here into the future what does that look like in terms of a trade and how do you treat it if you're a team is he an option yeah i agree with harry about like the bar to me is pretty low with baker so yeah i i would certainly look into that and look vegas is going to be going through some significant rebuild we know you know what's happened with coach scruton and henry ruggs and, and that tragic situation so i think whoever goes there they could be looking at maybe a longer term turnaround than some of these other places and maybe Derek carr is available in a trade Mike Tannenbaum joining us, ESPN NFL front office insider. There is another fascinating quarterback situation, Mike, and that's in Pittsburgh. You were, in my estimation, you've been dead on about Ben uh, because Roethlisberger has been inconsistent all year, and there's there's just there's not enough there to win with anymore. So if the Steelers move on, it's hard to imagine that it's draft a guy, it, you would feel like they're in a similar situation of they probably feel like they can win now if they can get somebody in there. So what's realistic for Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh would be a great sort of place. They're, I think they're an attractive destination. Again, I would go back to those two big guys and Rodgers and Wilson. But also, if I'm a player like a Jameis Winston, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, where I need to resurrect my career, you know, Mike Tomlin, is an all-time great coach, and if I'm a player that's trying to resurrect my career, it's hard to think there's a better place to go than Pittsburgh. And again, you look at their defense, T.J. Watt, Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick, right down the middle of that defense, there's a lot of good players, Cam Hayward. So the cupboard is not bare there, um, but that offensive line, to me, is going to be the one thing that could maybe hold someone back because it's not what it once was. And I think the mistake that Pittsburgh made, guys, was – they let three really good offensive linemen go, Alejandro Villanueva, David DeCastro, and Marquise Pouncey. I either would have brought those three back with Ben or moved on from everybody. And I think sort of like that half measure didn't work because they're trying to develop offensive linemen with an older quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that can derail Russell Wilson from actually coming there. Russell Wilson has already taken a beating in Seattle. Uh, every year he's been there, and he's a guy who can move around and, and be mobile and, and, and try to get some of that pressure off of him, and he's still getting sacked at a high level. So I don't think he would want to go into a situation where the, the O-line is the biggest question mark offensively. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now, with that said, if I'm recruiting him, I'm saying, like, all those reps that – 
they got this year is going to make them better for you. It's legit. Mike, great stuff. We'll talk to you more next hour. Appreciate it. Thank you. We've got ESPN radio coverage for all your bowl game action. Tune in tonight. It's the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, followed by the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Coverage begins 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Oh, one team may have found their franchise quarterback, or maybe they didn't. It's still very much up in the air. We'll discuss next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Dolphins got it last night. Doesn't matter how they got it. Ian Book, mm, not great. Somewhat ironic because some of those reads were not there. Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us via the Goodyear hotline. Last night, Harry, we saw Jalen Waddle with 10 catches for the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, he as a rookie receiver now sits only five behind the all-time rookie record, which was set by Anquan Bolden for 101 catches in a year. But as much as the Dolphins find different ways to employ him, what's even more... Frustrating would be a word I might use. What is even frustrating about it is the fact that they haven't been able to maximize the big playability, and I put a lot of that on Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and we'll have this discussion a little bit more with Mike next hour, but the idea that is a guy that you could look at last night, Mike made this point earlier off the air, and you could say, if you're a pro Tua guy, look at how he played. Did an amazing job last night. And if you're an anti-Tua guy, well, all those passes are handoffs, basically. You know, so to me, Tua is not able to fully capitalize on the big playability of Jalen Waddell when he can't get the football down the field. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things I think Tua has struggled with throughout his career since he's been in the league so far. Um, is pushing the football down, down, down the middle of the field and even on the outsides, uh, outside the numbers as well. And you've seen last night, right, when you had the Tua's interception, 
Uh, he tried to go deep, and then Jalen Waddle's coming underneath on the end cut and probably would have came out the back door for a heck of a run and a heck of a gain as well. Already would have been a good game if he just would have caught it and fell down. But with the ability that Jalen Waddle has and the run-after-catch ability and how elusive and fast and quick he is, I thought I thought it would have been a lot more. But he just just disregarded him and tried to throw it to another guy and got it intercepted and pick off, picked off. And then you see the pick six last week against the, um, the, the New York Jets. Um, I think consistency is going to be key for Tua. Uh, I, I think a reason why they don't push the football down the field is because they don't want those, those type of plays to happen. And I think another reason why Tua is completing 70.1% 70, 70. of his passes is because most of them are that, that RPO game and dink and dunk. And I like this offense, man, when you have the meet, the moving piece, like the guys, guys coming on the speed sweep. Now the defense has something else to think about, and then you have the RPO off of it as well. But there comes a time, and especially if you get into these playoffs, you're going to have to be able to push the football down the field uh, if, 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 if a defense decides they want to play man coverage, uh, basically what they defense do to a lot of people, uh, they play a lot of tight man coverage and, and, and make people try to beat them that way. But if you run into a team like, let's just say, the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're going into that game knowing they're going to play man coverage, can you push the football down the field and, and, and be accurate doing so to score points and, and, and convert third downs and, and give your offense an opportunity because we know what this defense can be with that back end guys that they have. Can this offense generate points by pushing the football down the field? That's the question that lies going ahead for Tua Tagovailoa in this offense. Well, here's Tua last night with Laura Rutledge after the game on Waddle and what he brings to the offense. I think Waddle's brought a lot. You can see that when they do try to cover Waddle, that he opens up other guys as well. So I would say he, he has a lot to do with the game plan, but you know you also got to have a game plan for when they do decide to cover him. Look, there's been so much talk about Deshaun Watson and the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. If you're Brian Flores, how are you looking at this situation? Do you want to ride with Tua? Or if you have the chance to go and get him, are you going and getting Deshaun Watson? Well, my thing is, if you decide to go and get Deshaun Watson, I would think it would be because he will probably be clear to play, right? I don't, I don't see them just going to get him in without having that confirmation. No, no. Uh, first, so if but if you have a chance to go get Deshaun Watson, I, I gotta go get Deshaun Watson. Hmm. I'm sorry, Tua. Uh, you're you're a great man, and um, you're great off the field. You've been decent on and. I'm sorry, but we're in the business. This business has no place for feelings, man, right? My receiver coach taught me that early on. He said one thing that this game don't care nothing about is your feelings, right? And feelings get hurt time and time again. But if I'm Brian Flores and I'm I'm Mr. Greer at the GM position, if I have a chance to go get Deshaun Watson and he'll be cleared to play, I'm going to get Deshaun Watson because this team, I won't say they're a quarterback away from making a championship, but they're a quarterback away away from – I'll say uh, being a contender in the AFC when it comes to the playoffs. I still think they have other pieces they have to garner in order to make it deep in the playoffs. Their offensive line to be exact, and they've they've been investing in that. And Eichenberg and uh, Austin Jackson, and they even have Dieter at the center position. Those three guys have to be better. They invested in those guys, and, and they expect those guys to be better, but they have to start, uh, I'll, I'll say, gaining momentum and getting better on that offensive line as well. Chris Carlin, Harry Douglas in for Key, Jay, and Max on ESPN Radio. I absolutely, if that situation is cleared up, even if you're going to be dealing with a suspension, I would have to take a look at it. But I would try to go in another direction first. Like if I'm the Miami Dolphins 
I'm going to throw something out at you. Is that a bad situation if that's a place that Aaron Rodgers wants to look at? I don't think so. I think that's a pretty good situation for Aaron Rodgers to look at this offseason with a chance to win in the relative short term with a coach who is doing a pretty darn good job. Yeah, you have two solid tight ends in uh, Smythe and Gusecki. Uh, I'll tell you, someone else I think is coming along for, for this football team is Mac Hollins, man. I think Mac Hollins. He's turned into it. a receiver finally after he was yeah. basically drafted as a special teams player. Yeah, so I, I like he had a heck of a catch on a go ball last night. Did a great job of inside releasing the corner who jumped outside, but not only inside releasing, but staying on that red line. So you have an imaginary red line that, that receivers are supposed to run on and quarterbacks supposed to have in their mind because they're on the practice fields, every practice field from college to, to NFL. But save enough space for Tua if he wanted to drop it outside in the bread basket. But Tua put it on him. And a heck of a game. I thought it was a, a forty. It was a forty yard catch. But I thought that was a staple play uh, that allowed Miami to surge and go ahead and, and, and garner that victory and take over that ball game uh, in, in the manner that they did. So I like what he's been. You have Preston Williams. Preston Williams. I'm very familiar with Preston Williams. My dad coached Preston Williams AAU basketball. Mm. So he's a guy that can um, that can come along as well. I know this year isn't is it isn't the best for him. Then you have Devontae Parker. Uh, I think they got to find a way to get Devontae involved, man. I, I, I just last night he he was a non-factor, but they didn't even try to get him involved. Look, I think Devontae Parker is a really good receiver, but again, it goes to me back to the quarterback as yep. that being as as good as he is in during the seven-game win streak at completing seventy-four percent of your passes. I went and looked, Harry. I mean, yards per attempt, he's twentieth. He's 20th among starting quarterbacks in the league, and that number is one that just cannot be one that you're relying on your quarterback to be the guy when you're dealing with that kind of production. Our topic today on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, which 11-win team do you trust the most? Up next, why the Cowboys finally fixing their problems might be bad news for the rest of the NFC. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.